and welcome to Miss Checkpoints, the video game book club podcast. Uh, today, we're starting our discussion on Life is Strange. I'm your host, Marcus, and joining me today, we have uh, the homies, Greg. What's up? We got Dante. What's going on? And we have Trevor. Hey, what's going on? Um, so, like I said, we're doing Life is Strange. This is uh, Trevor's game, so I'm going to kick it to Trevor so he can introduce the game. All right, guys. So let me tell you. Yes. You play Telltale games, right? Yep. I've heard of them. <laughs> this is nothing like that. Um, no, the game this time is Life is Strange. It was developed by a French studio, Don't Nod Entertainment, and published by Square Enix. It released, it's an episodic game, so it rele- the episode's released between January 2015 and October 2015. Came out on Xbox One, PS4, Xbox 360, PS3, and also on PC. Um, some of the other games that Don't Nod Entertainment made, I don't know if you, any of you guys ever played Remember Me, came out in 2013. Yeah, I, I played a little bit of it. I, I think that was a game that had like a, you could kind of create your own combos or something like that. Like I vaguely remember it. Yeah, I remember reading about it in Game Informer magazine, um, but I never got around to playing it. It didn't review particularly well. I feel like it was also like if we ever decided to go back to it, I think it was like a PlayStation Plus uh, game of the month. That sounds about right. It also starred a um, a female protagonist in that game as well, um, just for a comparison with this game. And then, of course, um, Don't Nod Entertainment is also working on a prequel game to Life is Strange called Life is Strange Before the Storm. And episode one of that game has already released as of this recording. Not to question that, but isn't the prequel done by some other studio? While they're working on the sequel, you are correct. I completely forgot about that. It sounds like you questioned it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so to go into the story, um, like I said, Life is Strange is an episodic game, it's an episodic adventure game, kind of like a point and click game. Um, it takes place in the fictional town of Arcadia Bay. Um, just, I don't want to get too far into the story without, you know, Going into the episode, since we're already going to discuss those, the protagonist is Maxine Caulfield, also known as Max. She's an 18-year-old photographer, um, senior in high school, and she discovers that she can rewind time. Are we kicking it off, then? We can kick it off. All right. So um, I think the game starts off, and it's this weird mysterious opening you kind of like you get dropped in the game it's dark as trevor said the uh setting is a fictional town known as arcadia bay it's in the pacific northwest so think like oregon uh i think they make a uh, washington actually i think they make a reference to her living in seattle and she moving back to arcadia bay um so it's that kind of area so this is a forest and all that and so she gets dropped into this this wooded area and there's she's by a lighthouse and there's this mysterious tornado going on and uh she's just trying to figure out what just happened because as far as she knows she doesn't remember anything that's happened before this 
and uh, it ends up being a dream. And then she gets dropped into, she like wakes up, you know, and uh, she's in a high school class or uh, uh, what is it? What is the professor? Mar- uh, Mr. Jefferson. Yeah. Jefferson. <clears throat> He's um, uh, like a world famous photographer uh, that traded in his fame, I guess you could say, or he decided he wanted to teach. So he's teaching at this, uh, uh, what is it, Black Blackwell Academy. That's the name of the school. Yeah. And it's specifically for seniors, and uh, they have an emphasis on, like, the arts, so, like, photography, I think, specifically. And um, so she's basically uh, a – that's what she wants to do with her life. Uh, she wants to be a photographer, and everybody at the school, for the most part, seems to also want to be photographers, so – uh, she kind of just jolts awake, and she's in this class. And she's trying to figure out what's happening, and then that's kind of where you figure out the um, the systems in this game. Uh, like you, you set off, and you're sitting at a desk. You can't move, but you can kind of look around, and you can start like selecting things and like you know examining things and things like that. So, uh, um, has, does everybody has everybody played an adventure game? Um, point and click, I guess. You, point and click adventure game. Yeah. Yeah, I've played pretty much every Telltale game. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, I've I've only played um I only played the first Walking Dead game and then I I don't know if you want to count it. I will count it, but I think LA Noir, I'd count that as an adventure game. Yeah, um, kind of. And those are like my two experiences in this type of genre of game and uh there, there are some flaws, in my opinion, with the genre, but I, there are some things that I really like about this game, and um, the genre, I should say, and I think this game does a really good job of, like, presenting the good and less of the bad. Yeah. Like, uh, one, one thing I can think of is, um, you know, Telltale Games, I think they've gotten into using the same um, game engine for all their games. And now it's gotten to the point where even the newer games, when you play them, they get kind of sluggish. The frame rate drops. And it's just like they've been doing it so long, you would think by now they would have perfected it. But then, like, I think it was right after um, The Walking Dead came out, this game came out. And, of course, that was when Episodic Games kind of blew up as The Walking Dead. And so it was funny to see how this company comes in doing the fir- their first um, point and click adventure game um, and doing it better than, or at least in my opinion, better than Telltale Games did. I appreciate that they don't have quick time events. So, yeah, there's a lot of things I appreciate. I, I actually appreciate the backstory they set up. So, like, like I said, you start off at that desk and then you see Max, she has her dirt journal on her desk and you can examine it and you can literally read like her thoughts and opinions on. Everybody in her, like her, everybody in her class for the most part, like the key people in her class, the key characters in this game, and then um, you can even like access her cell phone from here, so you can read like some text messages, and you can kind of find out the backstory of everything leading up to that, basically that day in class. And so, like, it's I, I spent like the first thirty minutes of this game reading up on the backstory of this game, which I like, I really appreciated. Like when I was playing it, I, I already was saying to myself, like, I guarantee you, Mark, like, has gone through like all this stuff and like looked at all this already. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. Like I literally read every single page of the journal. Uh, I like all the characters. I looked at the illustrations in her journal. Like, yeah, I looked at it all. <laughs> and the cool thing about it is it follows you through the chapter. So as you progress through more pages in the journal fill up. So it's kind of like this recap that you have of Maxine's personal view on everything that's happened on. I think it's super awesome too. Cause like, like I, I have not read up as we're going. So like, cause in my, in my, the reason why I haven't is she writes a whole crap load of um, content. So like, I think uh, at the end of, episode three where we're at i think she had 46 pages in her journal and i'm like i'm not reading all that because i'm pretty sure i've seen everything that she's writing about but it's a good like you know when you think about this game being episodic and it being released over the course of months like hey like you could like potentially you know play this game you know beat the chapter beat the episode or whatever and not play it for two months and you could come back and kind of catch up by reading your journal. And, like, I think that's a super cool element of it. I really appreciate that about it. Um, it, it I think that's super smart. <clears throat> um, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, uh, so... So before we talk about the classroom scene, what did you guys take take away from the vision, the tornado that she saw beforehand? I wasn't really sure what to make of it that early on, I guess. I. Um, honestly, like, uh, I'm a huge, uh, Twin Peaks fan and I really like Alan Wake. I actually experienced Alan Wake first. Then I watched Twin Peaks because of Alan Wake and there's the Pacific Northwest, like, is like an amazing setting for mystery. And I literally, the, the game started and I'm like, I'm feeling this. And, like, I didn't need to know anything. Like, I was like, I get dropped in. Some mysterious stuff is happening. I'm in the woods. I already know where I'm at. Like, I'm I'm down for this. So I didn't really look too much into it because I knew the game was going to spell it out for me as I went on. So uh, I didn't really have any ideas. And besides the, the – I guess there's a – do you see that doe in the beginning? Yeah. And, like, I think I actually, like, wrote, like – just because I'm a nerd, I wrote like that must be her Patronus. Very <laughs> but I, I don't know. Like I, I just thought, okay, they're they're gonna explain the deer. They're gonna explain how she got here. They're gonna explain this tornado. They're gonna explain the significance of the lighthouse. Like those four things. That's all you know and see in the beginning. I'm like, they're gonna explain all four of these things. Like I'm not even worried about it. Fair. Yeah, I was going to make that exact same comparison to Alan Wake because I didn't play too far in Alan Wake, but I remember like the opening scenes of it, and that was very similar to it. Uh, yeah, do you have any thoughts about the sequence? I mean, so me and Trevor beat the game, so it has a different significance, and there's some stuff that we can't really go into, but yeah, it does take on a different meaning at some point. I gotcha, I gotcha. It's one of those, like, oh, you don't notice it the first time, but then when you notice it, you see, like, these little maybe subtle references or whatever, or you see it transpire. Oh, yeah, there, there is a ton of that in the first episode, so it's kind of interesting. And, so and one, thing, one thing I also appreciate about this game is a lot of games, when you start it off, it kind of sets up the story for you, and so it makes you feel like you're jumping in at the beginning. But in this game... 
it seems like all these people have been giving their the given their lives and personalities and they've been living long before we even started playing this game so it feels like there's there's stuff that we don't know about that happened before the beginning of this game and we're kind of seeing it unfold you know at the same time as the present i think that's uh awesome because i don't like to play a game where it feels like the characters rely on your protagonist or the character you're playing in order to be like important or like have a life. Their life doesn't revolve around you. It's like they're their own living, breathing character. And you guys are like in this world together versus everything revolves around you in most video games. So I do appreciate that. But, um, yeah, so you are in this classroom, you meet the professor, uh, Mr. Uh, Jefferson, and then you you get the your initial impressions on a couple of the characters that are you're going to see throughout the story. I think we should, for the sake of how many characters are introduced throughout this game, we should probably only focus on like the main ones that you'll see in the journal. Uh, so you uh, get introduced to Victoria Chase, I think is her name, Victoria Chase, um, and Kate Marsh. Those are the two main characters that you get introduced to in this classroom sequence and uh i don't know i wrote kate is miserable like that was one of my notes about that character and then victoria uh basically uh victoria is your i don't i don't want to say rival but she's like the preppy rich girl yeah she's the preppy rich girl in every high school story that everybody uh the the viewers are supposed to hate but she has like a gang of friends around her that are like popular and prettier and you know like they just look down on everybody else because they're just you know so good um and uh she just so happens to be a very good photographer um she's rich as i said before and she uh flirts with the teacher uh um which i guess since that is your favorite teacher, you kind of, uh, Max feels some type of way about it. And then on the opposite end is Kate, who is, she's like the shy, super religious girl. Uh, she's very quiet. Uh, for some reason, she's very, very sad and just down on herself in the beginning of this game. Um, and you are, you don't know why in the very beginning. And, um, she, you're, you're kind of friends with her. Like, if you look in your cell phone, you can see, like, you have her number and you guys have been texting back and forth about meeting up and things like that. So you guys are, like, I won't say the best of buds, but you're, you're friendly to each other, you know? How do you guys feel about these two characters? Because I, I will say, I think the, what, the first two episodes really revolve around both of these characters, right? Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> One thing I will say about Max is it's funny that she's always described as shy and she come she comes off as shy, you know, even independent of whatever decisions you make for her to, to do in the game. Um but she's kind of she's kind of popular, honestly. Like she's friends with everybody. Everybody knows her. It's not like she can't go up to certain groups of people and talk to them. I mean, she can, but some of those groups are really, really 
mean. <laughs> and I, I guess it might have to do with like the type of school that this is. Like they're all in this one photography class, so I'm sure they're pretty close at this point. They've all been in the same class together. Yeah, now that you mention it, it kind of reminds me of my high school where my graduating class had what forty four people total. So everybody kind of knows everybody. And you're kind of forced to interact with a lot of people, or at least that's kind of the um, impression that I got from the scene they were trying to build, especially with um, Max, where she can talk to everybody just out of necessity. But you can definitely tell that she doesn't jive with um, the jocks, the um, Victoria and her gang, and also the, um, the Vortex Club, which we'll get into in a little bit. Yeah, this game has the stereotypical, like, cliques, you know, the jocks. They have the the preppy girls, and they have, like, the nerdy book kids, and they even have, like, the skaters slash druggy kids. So it, it's like your typical high school setting, even despite the fact that it takes place at a photography school. Uh, it, it has all those common tropes. I think everybody would be, like, the artsy type. Yeah, well, say, one art thing I do like... Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was just saying art or science because randomly they have like, well, not randomly, but they have a science class too. And there are some, at least two characters that you meet that have like a disposition for science. They seem like that's their calling, which is kind of weird. Like, why are you at this photography school? And like, you really, really care about science. I was going to say one thing I do like is that even though the characters fit those typical archetypes, they all have their own like twist to them. So none of them feel like they're like the cookie cutter, like, Oh, I'm going to like kind of be the creepy, nice guy, or I'm going to be this mean guy. And you kind of see all of them shift from their normal archetype in a really interesting way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get that. I get that. Um, but yeah, so you get to meet uh, your first interaction with Kate and Victoria. Uh, class ends, and you you know uh, you can walk around the classroom and talk to some characters, and you you find out some other you know background information, and you get to first interactions with some of these secondary uh, characters, and then um, uh, you walk out of the classroom and then there's even more characters that you get to uh, meet with and interact with. And um, uh, like I said, you did stereotypical high school setting. So like you see the jocks bullying the nerdy kid, you see the popular girls in the corner to themselves gossiping about everybody else. And um, I don't even remember why, but uh, you, you, Oh yeah. You're feeling uh, weird still about your dream. So you opt to uh, your character, Matt. She's like, I need to go to the restroom to just like, you know, mellow out and wash my face or, you know, whatever, just to, just to calm down. Cause she's like, just, I want me, you know, she's creeped out, freaked out about what had just happened in that dream. So she said, well, even See, after, after the dream too, while she's still in the classroom, um, that's when she discovers her power. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, not until no, the no, 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 no. Yeah, I thought it. I thought it was no, like no. during that bathroom. Yeah, scene. it was in the bathroom. It was definitely in the bathroom. Um, Did she not rewind time when she was trying to come up with an answer for the? Um, no, she goes. She does it after that. Yeah. Oh, she goes gotcha. Back. The spoilers, bro. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot to say beforehand <laughs> at the top. Of, out. <laughs> I forgot to say at the top of the hour too. Um, 
this game is very story focused, so there is going to be liberal spoilers in this. We're gonna spoil the mess out of this game, so it's a little like we haven't got too far into the story stuff. Uh, if you don't want to hear any further, play these first three episodes, uh, or you know, pause this show, play those first three episodes, come back because uh, we are not going to hold back on what we're talking about. Um, yeah, that's your warning. All right. Um, but yeah, so she goes to the restroom, she washes her face off, and then she sees like a a butterfly come in from the window or, you know, and then she's like, oh, I'm going to snap a picture of it because she's always looking for whatever opportunity she can to pull out her camera. And so she's kind of out of sight of the door. And then you hear the door open up to the restroom and then a boy comes in. And she's like, what the heck? I'm in the girl's restroom. And uh, he's kind of like talking to himself. And you find out the kid's name is Nathan Prescott, who is a uh, he's like the big name. He's the rich. He comes from the rich, wealthy family in the school. So like the Prescott's, their names are on uh, some of the dorm, like one of the dorms in the school. They've donated a, a, a large amount of money to the school. So he's like the. Uh, super rich kid that goes to the school that like nobody can touch him you know like he's he can get into as much trouble as he wants or anything like that and uh, so he's talking to himself and she's kind of like she doesn't know what's going on and he doesn't notice her he doesn't see her hiding and then uh, I, after a while a second character comes in a girl with a hat and blue hair she kind of looks like a uh, I guess like the if we were talking about common cliche characters, she's like the skater skater chick. She kind of comes in, she's tatted up, wearing flannel, you know, ripped jeans, a beanie, and she has blue pierce or blue hair. Um, so she comes in and she's basically saying like, "Hey man, you know what the deal is?" Uh, she's basically, in a sense, blackmailing him, saying like, "You agreed, you know, on this, and I can tell your family that you got these drugs or whatever." And then they're having a, a fight, you know, amongst themselves. And your character is like, I just want to get out of here. But she doesn't want them to know she's in there. And uh, she ends up, uh, the guy Nathan pulls out a gun on the on the uh, the girl. And then you're like, oh, I need to do something. What do I do? And you see a... Um, uh, a fire alarm with the you have to break the glass and pull you have to break the glass and then you can pull the lever so you're looking around for something to break the glass with and then you're seeing the the, the fight out the corner of your eye they're like fighting because she's like you're not going to shoot me dude and he totally shoots her in the gut and then your character kind of reaches up and is like no and then the game goes in slow motion and then you realize, oh, she has an ability, and her ability is she can rewind time. And that's when you find out that your character has the gift to rewind time. I, I won't necessarily say time travel, but she can just go back. And, like, you know, uh, so then she rewinds time, and then she's back in the classroom right after she woke up from her dream. And what did you guys think about that Uh I didn't know, like, I, I thought that was super cool. I didn't know what to expect. And um, I thought that was, I was like, I really like where this game is headed and if that's what her ability is. Because 
you, I know something crazy is going on when you start off in that tornado area. And when you find out the ability that she has to rewind time, I was like, this is awesome. Um, so what did you guys think? I thought it was, uh, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, like the, the thing that I guess I was maybe thinking into it too far in advance was I'm like, okay, well, if you can keep kind of just going back and making decisions, like the game's got to do something at some point to make you be like, all right, well, you can't just keep going back and changing this. There's got to be some, I'm thinking to myself, there's got to be like some type of consequence for this some at some point in the game. And that kind of, I guess, not to spoil anything, I guess it starts happening as the game goes on a little bit, but like that was my initial reaction was like, well, you know, if you can kind of go back and just change whatever decision you want to make, like it seems like this is going to be a little weird, I guess. The thing I appreciate is that, uh, so then like the game starts over and you play that initial sequence when she wakes up from the dream, you see that scene, like word for word, everything that you saw happens, like all the um, conversations that happen. So, like, when you woke up from the dream initially, you're, like, looking around, and then uh, you're forced to do this action, and that action, uh, you take a selfie of yourself, and the teacher calls you out and asks you a question, and then you have to answer it, and um, you can't answer the question, and then some other character answers the question. Fast forward to the second time you see that you now have the option you can choose one of your first two options that you had in the beginning of the game but then you get a third option which is the answer that the girl threw out earlier so you can throw that out and you can basically word for word say what she said and then like you get a completely different you play the same scene twice and you get a completely different outcome um and i i thought that was super cool because there's a lot of times when i played um some of these games in the past and it's like, Oh no, I didn't get the, I thought this character when they, when I chose this uh, text option, I thought this conversation was going this way, but they completely misinterpreted what I wanted to say. And you just have to live with that decision. But with this rewind feature, you can completely undo anything. And then the cool thing is you as the player know that you rewound, but your character also knows you rewound, but nobody else's, they, they do not know. So you can have a conversation with the character and, you know, choose a pro, uh, a negative option. And then um, you can completely rewind that conversation and then have the positive option. And you can see which way you prefer. So like, if you want this character to like you, then you can, you know, pick something pro that character liking you or if you don't care about that character you can choose negatively but you can see both ways and you can kind of choose either way and i think that i really 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 like this feature in this game i think another thing that adds to the gameplay um, versus other games that kind of have this choose your own path is that in life is strange when you choose your own path you can see the consequences, and if you don't like those consequences, you can go back. Whereas with other games, once you choose your path, kind of stuck with that, and you can go back, but you gotta, you know, close out the game and restart at the last checkpoint and all that. Yeah, yeah, or a so, second playthrough or something. Yeah, so this Granted, lets you kind of see all the options. Granted, this game is also a little manipulative in um, that regard, where. 
you get to see the short-term consequences for everything, which might lead you to think that you're doing the right thing. But then once you see the long-term, because one thing, Max doesn't have like infinite rewind. So you can only rewind, let's say like three or four minutes in most gameplay sequences, quote unquote. So you might think you're doing the right thing by rewinding, but then like down the road, as we'll see in episode one, something might go a completely different way than you expect it to because you rewound and chose a different option. And even when you choose an option, sometimes like, I guess uh, Max has that kind of inner monologue where she like kind of goes over the decision and it kind of makes you second guess sometimes like, was that really the thing I wanted to do or do I want to try something else? Yeah. Like that, that's kind of one, my one knock is like, I feel like the, throughout this entire game, Max is having like an inner monologue to herself that she's saying in her head, but you as the player can hear what she's saying. And so whenever you make a decision, uh, you, she uh, like audibly says like, man, I wonder if that was the best thing that I could have done. And it's just like, you think to yourself, did I do the best thing? You know, like, <laughs> so you kind of second guess yourself and that I, 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 I don't like that, but I do like that because it's like, after a certain point, I was like, no, F it. I'm Max. You're not Max. I'm Max. I'm making decisions here. So, like, I kind of wanted to play the game the way I wanted to play it. So I'm like, okay, this this character, I want this character to feel this way about me. I want this character to feel this way about me. So I'm kind of, like, manipulating these characters to feel, in my mind, positively or negatively towards me. And Max, I think her character personality is she wants everybody to like her, but that's not how Marcus wants to play this. So Marcus is going to do what Marcus wants to do. <laughs> and I just kind of ignore Max. I'm like, hey, yeah, you've got this rewind power, but I'm in control. Uh, so, yeah, so you, you play around with the rewind mechanic and get through the class and you like you basically you beeline straight for the bathroom because you're like I need to get here I need to make sure I'm in position to save this girl I don't want her to get shot again and everything plays out exactly as it played out before um but this time you get to the part where the guy pulls out the gun and you have already prepped the fire alarm uh, situation so he pulls out the gun you pull the fire alarm and then it's just like, oh, the school has to evacuate. The schools have to evacuate. So it's, it gives the girl enough time to, like, kind of knee the guy at his junk. And he double over, dropping the gun. And then she, like, gets out of there. And then he kind of tucks the gun away in his pocket and, or, you know, in the waistband. And then he dips out the class. And then you get to leave. And then, uh, yeah, that uh, you basically save that. You indirectly save that girl's life. She does not know that you did it, but you save her life and um you skip out uh get out the bathroom you get in trouble for being out you know when the alarm's going off and then you get on school grounds and you wait the, the first major choice though oh the first yeah major choice yeah Principal wills oh Jeez. yeah 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 okay so yeah um you you get busted by the principal of the school um, and he's like, young lady, what are you doing out? You should be outside, or, you know, what are you doing in the school still? You should be out in the campus grounds or whatever. And then you get, like, the first major choice that you can make in this game, and you can uh, choose to, I, I was just, you know, washing up in the bathroom, I'm sorry, or you can snitch on this guy, Nathan Prescott, 
And uh, I think this is, unless you've played this game before, I guarantee you this is the first, like, everybody rewinds this option because they want to see both sides. I guarantee 100% of people that play this game, they choose one thing, then they rewind it and choose the other to see which one uh, they like. So what did you guys opt to do? I snitched. Hell yeah. Dude had a gun. Come on. Yeah. Uh, what, what did you, I'm guessing you snitched too, Trevor and Dante? Yeah. All right. We all snitches here. Okay. Did, did anybody else, like, did you guys rewind to see the other option? I'm guessing you, Dante and Trevor, I'm guessing you two Actually, did, you've already seen. I take that back. The first time I played this, it was when the game first came out. I picked the other option. I didn't snitch. Wow. I did both times. <laughs> you know what? He had a gun and he was in the girl's bathroom. That's not snitching. That's just doing God's work. Yeah. So you um you get the option. And I honestly, I, I think that you, you end up finding a little bit out about this uh, principle. Uh, he basically, you know, I think if you don't snitch, he's kind of like, you. I'm going to keep an eye on you, a young lady, and then blah, blah, blah. And then if you snitch, then he's like, well, that's a very serious accusation. And he kind of like, he does like his principal, principal duties. And he kind of like, I'm going to investigate in this, but he's like, this is Nathan Prescott. What do you think I'm going to do? But he like, I don't, I don't believe you. He, he puts a lot of money, you know, towards this. His family puts a lot of money and they have a lot of clout in this uh, town and you're just this girl. Like, so you kind of get the feeling that even though you snitch, it doesn't really mean much. Well, yeah, you, know? you get some stuff later that kind of goes into that. That's that's kind of what I was talking about with the short-term benefit versus the long-term. Like, short-term is like, oh, I'll look into it. And you're like, oh, well, maybe he'll do his job. Then long-term, as we'll find out, things get kind of awry in that regard. So Yeah. So uh, then you go on the school grounds and you uh... – get to kind of meet all the side characters. And like, at this point there's like this, um, uh, in game, uh, I want to say mechanic, but it's kind of like you can find like these optional photography, um, points where there's like seven or eight in every chapter. There are seven or eight like photographs you can kind of take. They're kind of like the collectible in this game. Where it's like, oh, if you interact with this thing, then you can take a picture. Or if you get to this point at this time, you can take a picture. And uh, these things are driving me crazy because I'm obviously I'm trying to do them all. But uh, like you, your only context clue is there's like a uh, there's like a Polaroid sketch, and you can kind of see like a, a, a crudely drawn like bird or a crudely drawn skateboard, and it's kind of like, oh, well, I this picture has something to do with that. So like whenever I see something that I think is what the picture is illustrating, I just like try to figure out how, what I need to do in order to be able to take a picture here. And it's kind of driving me crazy because I've gotten to a couple of the spots where in other episodes as well, where it's like, okay, this is where I should be able to take a picture, but I haven't either interacted with something or, you know, some environment thing hasn't happened yet where I can take a picture here. And they're kind of driving me crazy, despite how like inconsequential they are to the overall yeah. story. Yeah, I was about to ask: Is there any payoff for doing this, like towards the end, or is it just kind of just collectible stuff? Just achievements. Uh, just pride. Like I was kind of hoping, like, um, like maybe you get to submit, like, 
the the one of the main pretexts or con- contexts of these games is like um your photography class. You all are submitting a photo to this big contest that will take you out to San Francisco with your professor, and uh, so everybody's like scrambling to get their picture to submit their picture, and your character Max has not submitted her picture yet. So I was kind of hoping that maybe you got to choose one of these pictures to submit for the contest or something like that was what I was convincing myself that that was the reason why I needed to get all these pictures <laughs> to up my chances. But no, I, I think it's just really just like a collectible thing. It's like a, it's a cool way to force you to interact with more things than you may normally want to interact with. Like, I, I mean, I me, me playing these adventure games, I interact with everything because I want like all the story that I can possibly get but i know some people like oh well they tell me to go to the girls bathroom i'm not talking to anybody i'm going to the girls bathroom so it's just based on how you want to play the game um but yeah uh you you walk around meet a bunch of the side characters it's mostly students and like a professor uh a teacher the the creepy custodian sam that dude is creepy as hell and he talks like bob ross and um uh, you meet the security, not, uh, the security guard, and that dude's a dick. And um, <laughs> and then uh, what's his name? David, the security guard, David. Yeah. And then um, uh, you get a text from your what you find out is your friend Warren. So like you're he wants you to go pick up his flash drive that you borrowed from him and uh, drop it off with him at the parking lot. So then you're like, all right, I gotta go to the girls' dorm. And then, uh, so you head over there, and that's when you get, like, your first, I guess, puzzle for this game. Um, Time puzzle. Yeah, time puzzle. So, like, basically, um, Victoria, the the preppy girl and her her squad, they're sitting on the steps of the dormitory, the girls' dorm, and they're basically not allowing you to get by them. So you have to uh, figure out a way to get by them. And uh, that that ends up leading to a cool, uh, basically showcasing other ways you can use uh, Max's powers beyond just conversation. And I think this was a very cool introduction to, hey, like, you can use this in other ways than you think. And I think it was like a, it's almost like a tutorial, I guess, in in a sense, because... It's like, oh, like there, there are characters here you can interact with. There are moments that you can change from happening, and then you can also influence this thing to happen. Uh, and I, I thought it was a super effective way of showing you how to think about this game when you get to a new setting. Like you're, you're like not only thinking, oh, I can dictate the choices of these characters and our interactions, but you can dictate actual events to prevent them from happening, or you can make them happen. Uh, how, how did you guys feel about this initial puzzle sequence? I don't, I don't even know how you want to call it. Anybody? So, this was my second time playing the game, and for whatever reason, I was having the hardest time. I was like, what in the world do I need to do? And I probably spent a good 10 minutes and started to question whether I needed to use a guide or not. When, um, yeah, that stupid paint bucket was on the ground. And that was kind of frustrating because, like, I remember that scene from my previous playthrough. And I'm like, I need to do something to this paint bucket. But for whatever reason, I think whatever time 
period I was in, it wouldn't let me um, tamper with it. Nobody else has any opinions on this particular section of the game? I remember the first time I played it, it was really frustrating. This time, playing through it again, I remembered what I did, um, but I still had to kind of play around with the time manipulation because there's that part where Sam is like walking towards you. And if you don't hit the rewind at like the right time, you know, he'll still see you and you won't be able to interact with the bucket. So yeah, it was, you know, it still required some um, paying attention to, you know, it wasn't just super easy. They don't give it to you. I didn't really have like too big a problem with it. I guess once I, the second time I saw the, uh, the paint bucket, then I was like, oh, okay, okay. So there's got to be something I got to do with this. And then, you know, that was pretty much it on that. I must have been the only person that did not see the paint bucket. And, like, that's something I really appreciate about this game is, like, I'll go into an area and I just see, a, a, like, a cell phone, a paint bucket, a, a football, you know, all these items in, like, a setting. And they're just items in a setting that other people are interacting with. And I don't think anything of it. And then it's it's a super cool feeling to know that, oh, if I go back at this particular moment, this thing will interact with this thing and I get to see that happen in front of my face or, you know, things like that. And so it, it kind of is really cool to, like, walk into a new environment and see these things interacting. And, it, and I think it goes back to what Trevor said, where, like, these characters are living, breathing things uh, and not just, like, toys or, you know, creatures that revolve around uh, the main character. So I thought the puzzle was cool. And um, I I didn't have as much trouble as you guys, despite the fact that I had no idea that the paint bucket was involved at all. Uh, <laughs> um, the payoff was pretty good, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you did, did you guys respond positively or negatively to Victoria? Like, you get to... Basically, you uh, mess up Victoria's outfit and she gets all in a pissy fit, and you get to either be apathetic, or you can kind of, you can basically apologize, or you can, you know, say, or not even apologize, but just show, like, a little bit of pity for her, and just say, like, oh, I'm, you know, like, that's very unfortunate, I'm sorry, or you can just kind of be like, screw you. I tried to, uh, try to be nice about the situation, and I immediately regretted it after I did it. I'm a nice guy. I took that picture. I, yeah, I took that picture, and I didn't even see the other one. I was like, "Screw this chick!" So I took the I took the picture to humiliate her, and I did no second guessing on that. Um, did she did she um, go f her selfie? I think that was her words. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, uh, after that, you you get in the girl's dorm, and you kind of get to see a little bit of the girl's personality. Every uh, Every student has their own room, which is cool, and they all have a like a dry erase board by their front door, so you can kind of see like girls writing like notes to themselves or to other people or whatever. And then you see Kate's door, and it says something like "Will sleep for for God" or something like that. Was we'll, you know, so like, so you kind of get a little bit of a feeling of what's going on with her, like. Uh, She's getting teased, so maybe that's why she's in a in a mood. And um, you end up going to your room, uh, Max's room, and you can kind of uh, 
get a feel for her personality and everything, see how her room is and get a feel for like her interests and a little bit of her backstory. So you see photos of her and her family, her and her friends. She has a guitar. She has a plant. You can hop on her laptop and see like her social media feed. Um, you know, it, it, it's just fleshing out the character a little bit more and also like doing a good job of like, showcasing that this is a high school environment and these kids are, you know, these are realistic teenagers and things like that. And, uh, uh, yeah, you, you, you grab the flash drive and, um, I, I don't think there was any like super key, like you get to kind of talk to some of the other characters. Some of the other girls have their dorm doors open so you can kind of talk up to them or whatever. But, uh, for the most part, it's, you know, you get your flash drive and, you head over to Warren, right? There was something with uh, Juliet, right? It wasn't like somebody yeah, was, yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody was accused of sexting somebody else. Yeah, basically, I, I don't know. They're they're for the, is that worth noting? I mean, they're they're it's an important thing in the game, but they're kind of like not main characters. Yeah, they're yeah. kind of secondary characters. I think it's good, like descriptive like character building for what this game's trying to set up where it's like oh man these people are actually having some real life issues like you find out that Juliet pretty much had an abortion right yeah uh not Juliet her, uh, it was Dana yeah Dana, Dana. Okay. yeah right. yeah yeah you just find out like high school drama so like you know um a girl accuses uh gets accused of sexting with uh another girl's boyfriend and you end up, you know, finding out the truth, and it's like two people are setting this person up, you know, and it's just like a high school drama. But like for the most part, it's like side mission stuff. Like there are some main characters. I think like in that sexting thing, Victoria's involved, but I think it just it better paints a picture that Victoria is a mean individual, or if you like Victoria. Then you know, like, oh, this is just a uh, smear on Victoria or whatever, you know. So, and also, at, it adds at, context at, to the characters. At this point in the game, you've had about the same interaction with almost all the characters, so you don't know that these other characters are kind of secondary and they're not going to come up again. So, yeah, like, that's when, true. That's true. When you're interacting with them, you're kind of making those decisions, thinking it's going to have real consequences later on. Yeah, that's fair. So yeah, like he, he, like Trevor is right. I, and even even when I've realized characters are secondary, I'm still just because of the completionist of me, I'm still interacting with everybody and doing everything. So uh, yes, while it is not a key aspect of the main overarching story, it adds uh, you know some background information on characters, and also like sometimes like this stuff involves some of the main are. Uh, more primary characters. So um, it's, it's good. It's good to kind of talk to everybody, even if they're not like, you know, your, your next objective. Um, but uh, you, you uh, end up getting the flash drive from your room. You can stop by chat with some of the girls and fix or deal with some of their drama. And then you meet Warren for the first time in the parking lot. And Warren is kind of pinned as like this, nerdy boy that's your friend. He's just your friend. <laughs> and um, 
he's like uh, very into science. And uh, uh, if you very check, very into texting you as well. Yeah, very into texting you as well. But he's just your friend, and um, you guys, uh, you guys seem to get along very well. And um, he kind of like, hey, uh, well, you know, you want to go see? I think it was like Planet of the Apes at the drive-in. I, you know, like my my clunker is back up and running and everything. And you're, you know, you can kind of choose whether you want to, uh, you know, do that or not. And then uh, out of nowhere, Nathan Prescott shows up, and I don't even know. I guess we don't uh, know what would happen if you didn't snitch, because all of us snitched on that dude because he deserved it. But he's pissed that you snitched, and he's like, "Yo, why did you tell the principal that I had a gun?" And so he's getting all up in your face. And then Warren, your friend, defends your honor. He's like, "Yo, man, leave her alone." You know, like, chill out. Uh, he doesn't even know what happened. I don't, I don't think at that point you had told him what happened. And then him and uh, Nathan get into a big fight. And uh, um, then uh, out of nowhere, I think you almost get run over by a beat-up truck. and With a Twin Peaks license plate. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if anybody else noticed Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. With the Twin Peaks license plate, a personalized vanity plate. And... Uh, the girl with the blue hair says, Max, get in. And then uh, you get in and Warren's like, don't worry about me. And he gets punched in the face. And then uh, the girl with the blue hair dries off. And then it cuts out. And then it cuts back to you in the girl's truck. And you come to find out that it is a girl named Chloe. And uh, Chloe is... I guess we never said this in the beginning. Uh, Max lived in Arcadia Bay uh, five years previously. She grew up in Arcadia Bay. Her family ended up moving to Seattle. So she's been gone basically since middle school and came back for her senior year in high school at at Blackwell. And Chloe was her best friend. They grew up together. They were best friends. And apparently... Like, the entire time, uh, if you look at the journal and everything, this entire time you're hearing about this Chloe character that you haven't talked to in five years. And you're, you know, like, I wonder, you know, I'll definitely have to catch up with Chloe at some point. And you find out that, oh, this girl that I unknowingly, or I saved, ends up being Chloe. And she's like, what's up, bro? Haven't seen you in five years. What's good? And uh, so you kind of have to deal with that awkwardness of like, oh, well, I'm sorry for not having contacted you in the past five years. Um, We're still cool, though, right? And like, I don't know, like at this point, it kind of. Well, you get the impression that something has changed about Chloe. Something has changed about Chloe. Yes, something has changed about Chloe because she wasn't always this blue haired, flannel wearing, tattooed up chick, skater chick. But at the same time, that ain't got nothing to do with you having messaged her or, you know, gotten a hold of her in five years. So, like, at that point, I'm kind of like, dang, like, is is Max really a good friend? And that is, like, I, I started to see, like, a little chink in this character's armor as far as, like, oh, she's not this goody two-shoes character that everybody likes that you're led to believe because this is her best friend and she hasn't even, you know made any attempts to reach out to her in five years. 
But maybe that's me. Does anybody else feel that way? I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just a perspective thing, but I kind of saw it in the opposite way where it's like, why hadn't Chloe reached out to Max? Well, sure, but you find out later on that Chloe has some stuff going on in her life. So, like... Oh, definitely, definitely, but... Yeah. I don't know. It just just struck me as weird. It's like, hey, this has been your best friend for, who knows, 13 years, 10 years, or whatever, and then all of a sudden you move, and on top of you moving, you don't even keep in contact with the person that, you know, your life essentially revolved around. Uh, That just seems very weird to me. But, uh... I don't know. Um, it, uh, anyways, uh, Chloe and you guys kind of catch up a little bit, and then uh, she kind of updates you on what's going on in her life. Her uh, her father passed away shortly after. Maybe even maybe my time is incorrect, but I think her father passed away either right before Max moved or right after Max moved. Um, it it was before she moved for sure. Okay, it was before yeah. she moved, and then in that time frame, her mother, uh, Chloe's mother, has remarried, and uh, she keeps referring to this guy as a step douche, uh, which is funny, and um, talking about she doesn't like him and all these things. But uh, Chloe ends up taking you to her house, and you're in her room where you guys have all these memories together, and like you kind of see like Max. Uh, walking around and like snooping in her place and kind of like, wow, this person that I've grown up with is completely changed in the past five years. And like, you know, you kind of look at some old photos of her and I was like, I remember this girl, like, you know, it was yesterday. And then you look at her now and she's like a completely different person. And, uh, and I don't know, it's, it's kind of an interesting experience because I've definitely, uh, me personally, I've, you know, moved around a lot in my life and, caught up with friends that I haven't seen in a long time and I've seen them change uh, not necessarily as drastically but that kind of hit a little close to home I just want to say it's really really amazing how good a job this game does with um, building up backstories and putting things into contrast so as you're like walking around the room it's like oh man this is a photo we took at this point in our lives or hey, this is a record we used to play all the time, but now it's like stashed away under the bed or something like that. Yeah, it's it's really cool because it's like, I, obviously it's to set context and backstory for the game, but it also is kind of cool to think about like these stuff, these moments are precious and near and dear to Chloe as well, that she wants to have them in arm's reach, even if they're not necessarily out and being displayed. She'd like, holds deep, close some of these memories that they both have, you know, like I, I think that's kind of a cool, like personality building. And uh, again, another, like this is a live and breathing atmosphere. You know, these characters are live and breathing. They have a history before me. They're going to have a history after me. Um, but yeah, you, you basically, uh, I, I think, uh, your camera. Oh yeah. And the scuffle, uh, with Nathan, your camera gets broke. So you're you're basically like, hey Chloe, um, uh, you know, you you mentioned and once you get in her house, like my camera's broke, uh, I need to fix this, and she's like, my step my step douche has some tools in his garage, and uh, you, he probably has a small screwdriver you can fix it with. So you kind of get to walk around her house and like, oh wow, I remember this when we were kids and all that stuff, and you eventually make your way down to her 
uh, her basement or her, her garage while she's kind of just Chloe's laying in bed, self medicating. You know, she's smoking weed and uh, just chilling out. And uh, so you uh, get to go to her stepdad's uh, garage and look for his tools, and you kind of get a feeling of how, who this character is. And it ends up being, which is my, one of my most frustrating parts about this game. It's not like a big deal, but specifically when they introduced Chloe and when they introduced her stepdad, it was like, this is again, this is a person that you've known for 13 years in your life. I know she looks different, but like you do not recognize you didn't recognize her in the bathroom. You didn't recognize this character you've known for, you know, 13 years. Yeah, and then, that was a little weird. And then the same thing with her stepdad. Um, you find her stepdad's tools, but throughout the entire process, you you know you find out oh he's surveillancing. Uh, there's a picture of him and his. He, he, her stepdad is uh, um, former army uh, guy, so he's like a super hardcore. He has a gun case and he's just super hardcore. Like like I guess uh, I guess he's uh, presented as being like a very conservative style figure. So he's like you know really about security and guns and all that. And uh, you see some pictures of this guy, his military ID and a photo of him and all these things. And then uh, you fix your camera. Another cool aspect where you use the um, time feature in order to complete a puzzle to do your fix your camera, uh, which was cool. And then uh, you end up going back up to Chloe's room and her stepdad is home and he's like, who's ho- who's here? And uh, Chloe's like, you need to hide, you know, and because um, you're not supposed to be here. And you end up uh, another puzzle using the time feature and you uh, end up getting in the hiding place. And then the dude busts in and he's kind of like, what are you doing? You know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, is that weed I smelled? And he sees his joint. He's like, whose joint? Is this your joint? And then you have this choice to either let Chloe take the take the blame or you can jump out the closet on some R. Kelly stuff and take the blame. <laughs> and uh, so what did you guys do at this point? Did you guys let Chloe take the blame or did you did you uh, take the fall for her? I let Chloe take the blame at first and then after that I went back and I was like, ah, you know what, I'll, I'll go ahead and be the, the real friend. Have you ever seen that gif of Homer Simpson like Slowly fading away into the bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of pulled one of those. Well, I took the blame. Was I the only one that took the blame? No, I mean, I went back and I took the blame. At first, I was like, because I, I let the whole thing play out when when I blamed Chloe on it. And then I was like, huh, I kind of feel Bro, bad about I completely, that. So I, was like, <laughs> I completely forgot about another situation. I completely forgot. the um okay. When you're leaving the girl's dorm. I forgot about that when you're going to the parking lot. Oh, you, when you take the when you get the opportunity to take the picture. Of, oh, Marsh. Uh, Kate. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot about man. Yeah. See, y'all gotta get me. Y'all gotta get me. So <laughs> I'm gonna use my time travel feature real quick. All right, and then so you leave the dorm room and you're on your way to uh, meeting up with uh, Warren at the parking lot, and you see the security guard David Madsen. Uh, Basically, um, assaulting. I don't. He's not assaulting her, Harass. but he's harassing Kate Marsh, the, the the girl, the shy religious girl. So you have the opportunity to step in 
uh, or just chill and take a picture of the situation going on. Um, and basically, uh, what you, what'd you guys do? What'd you guys do? Um, I took the picture, but I literally sat there for like a minute just trying to decide, hold up, do I want to intervene or do I want to take the picture? But I thought it would be like a good idea to take the picture. So at least, cause I was thinking back to the Nathan situation of like, well, at least I need to have some proof before I like, you know, take this to somebody else as an accusation. So I was like, I'm going to go ahead and take the picture. I stepped in, but I'll explain my justification for that later. I took the picture, saw the what happened, and I rewound and ended up stepping in. And I and I, at that point, I decided, like, as far as Kate stands, because I've heard a little bit about this game uh, from some of the game podcasts I listened to, I had an idea in my head that this particular event was going to happen and she was going to be the character that event transpired around. So I kind of made the uh, decision to, no matter what, I was going to be nice to Kate. So I was going to help her out and be like a friend for her uh, from that interaction on. Uh, so initially I didn't help her out, but I rewound it and helped her out. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to, no matter what, I'm just going to help her out. No questions asked. I'm not going to rewind it and see the other option. I'm just going to help her out. But uh, the reason why I had to rewind and not let me go forward Oh, nobody even get. I didn't get the sound effects this time. All right, all right, all right. Now I'm back in. Okay, so then you find out that the person that is still uh, Chloe's stepdad is the security guard from the school, and like uh, you've at this point you've interacted with him. Uh, you when you leave the bathroom, he gets in your face like, "What are you doing here?" And then you see him messing with um, uh, Kate. But, like, when I was in the garage, I was like, oh, well, I, I saw the picture of this guy in, you know, army fatigues. And I'm like, oh, that's the security guard. Her dad's, or, you know, her stepdad's the security guard. And, like, me as the player knew that, but Max didn't put that together at all. And I was just like, this is another weird instance where she didn't recognize Chloe, despite being her friend for 13 years. And she didn't recognize the security guard who you literally had two interactions with that same day. It just was weird to me. Um but uh, yeah, uh, I think I guess I was the only one that took the blame. And uh, so, what happens when you don't take the blame? I, I'm interested to know. Chloe um, gets, oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna say, Chloe gets slapped, basically. Literally slapped. Damn! Yeah. I should have said that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well. Um, yeah, if you if you take the blame, then he's like, "Who are you? Oh, you're the bad influence, and blah 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 this and blah 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 that." And um, nothing really. He he just kind of like, I don't want to. He recognized well because I interfered with Kate. He kind of already felt some type of way about me, so he's like, "Oh, you're the girl that interfered with me earlier today. What's your problem?" And you know, just kind of you know puffed his feathers at me or whatever. And I was like, "Yo, whatever, dude." And uh. Then he leaves, and uh, he's like, I don't want to see you in this house again or something like that. And then, like, Chloe's like, good job, man. Like, man, we totally showed him. And it's like, man, if you <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, I don't feel like I showed him anything. Like, what are you talking about? So, uh, yeah, in the, in the converse, um, if you hide, essentially what happens, happens. He hits Chloe, and then she's like, uh, well things would have gotten worse if you did show up. So I'm kind of glad, or at least that's what she says at the time. 
that you didn't like get out the closet. Dude, that's very interesting because I feel a type of way about their relationship. And had I known, like he, I'm, I like, I don't know. Does, does she make it seem like that's the first time he's ever done that, or just the fact that she said that? Oh, things would have gotten worse. Like he's treated her worse. She didn't seem too startled by it. So, like, dang, like my personal feelings about their relationship and the two of those characters is completely different now, knowing that. And that's not something that I saw. And that was one of those few instances where I didn't rewind. I just took, I just made the decision. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm locking it in. I, <laughs> that's my final answer. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh man, yeah, I would have had a completely different thing. Like, I have a completely different feeling now that I know that he hits her. Mark's over here questioning his decisions, man. <laughs> you ain't worried. Hey, okay. I don't know if I should have, um, you know, stepped in. No, man. <laughs> I don't know, man, because it's just like, shoot, like I, you know, like because of like the way you have interactions in this game when you know information later, or you know, like you can see both sides of a situation. That's something that you can bring up, you know, in later arguments or later. It, uh, conversations with these characters, so I'd be interested to know the kind of conversations that I've had later on in this game. If instead of me taking the fall for him, I'm like, you know, like, and then, then he like not only did he do this thing and this thing, but then he struck this girl. You know, like it's just like man, like I wonder like the kind of work that the the team had to do for the different interactions. You, you know, just just something as simple as like recording you know dialogue like how many takes they had to do and like all these different things that they had to mention uh, i don't know that's cool that's cool one thing i really 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 enjoy about this game is they do a really good job of making everybody slightly to extremely unlikable in different situations yep yeah there that that's that's also another reason why like my to me chloe is a very polarizing character and uh yeah like that that's why i'm saying that knowing the fact that if you didn't step out she got hit that would have completely changed my playthrough had i seen that because i have completely different feelings now about her david uh now um yeah that's dang man it's like not now I'm just like, shoot, I should just like choose everything and then rewind, you know? And then it's like doing two playthroughs in one. But I, man, I don't know. Because I still want to see how those interactions, like later interactions change based off the decisions I made. That's very interesting. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, regardless of what you choose uh, afterwards, I think you you still, like even if you don't take the blame for it, you still reveal your powers to Chloe, right? Yeah, I think so. And I, I like that. That's also another weird thing where I guess because well, you don't reveal them. I think you tell her about them. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, you, you tell her like, hey, I have these powers and she kind of doesn't believe you. And then you end up going out to the lighthouse. She's like, well, we have the, there's this one safe spot, you know, our safe haven. That's still like completely ours because they both want to get out of the house. And so she takes you to the lighthouse where you coincidentally have that nightmare in the very beginning and what do you know uh you get to the lighthouse and you and then you flash back to the nightmare sequence and things have changed like uh you're there's some time puzzles now that you have this ability 
but you're basically picking up back where you left off in the beginning and uh, you come to, and then you have a little bit more information. Uh, like you're like, Oh, there's going to be a tornado happening. And then uh, I think the chapter ends, the episode ends with it being like an 80 degree day. The sun is setting and then it's starting to snow. Snow is coming down. And then it does like the, the very TV, uh, made for TV. Uh, we're going to, you know, show multiple scenes in this world and different characters that you've interacted with and show them at this particular moment as the snow is falling down. Cause you know, your characters are kind of like, Whoa, it's snowing. And then you see a bunch of the other key characters, whatever they're doing at the moment, them reacting to the snow. And then the episode ends. I think one other slightly significant thing that happens during the little dream sequence or whatever you want to call it, the vision sequence is once you look at the tornado, I think that's the point where like a piece of paper hits you or something or a newspaper. And newspaper, like, newspaper. Oh, this is like a week from today that this is all happening and going down. Actually, well, actually, it's four days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like even sooner, that's um, only four reps. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, your first day or you're the day that you pick up on on Monday and then um, the day that you see the, uh, I think it's like the last weekend of, the last week of October or something, but um, you see that that Friday is the day that that tornado hits. So you're like, I need to stop it. And that's basically your, you, your, your situation is like, okay, I have these time powers that I just found out that I have. I know I can manipulate time this way, this way. Oh crap. There's a tornado coming in four days. How can I save this town? Because you're seeing like the town being devastated by this tornado. Dude, this is going to be a long episode. Yeah. And then I realized that we didn't even like bring up the, I guess it's kind of an important part. Maybe it's like the missing girl. Jesus. Yeah, like we completely <laughs> didn't say anything about that. Yeah, and that's a pretty big part of Oh my god. Okay, all right. Uh, as quick as we can. Um, there's Amber a- in the first episode. Aside from, well, on the campus. No, 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 no. So yeah, so that you, you, when you're walking around on campus, you see a lot of missing persons poster, and they're all for this girl, Rachel Amber. And you end up, uh, after talking to a lot of people, Rachel Amber is friends with everybody. You know, she's like a super popular girl. She's basically like, you're the loser, not loser, but you're like the shy, quiet kid that everybody knows. Rachel Amber is like the cool, uh, extroverted uh, person that everybody is cool with and everybody was friends with and everybody has a story about her. And uh, you come to find out that Chloe... In your absence, those five years you were gone, she basically, Rachel, was her best friend. And uh, she was the one, you find out when you're in her room, that she's the one that's been putting up all these missing posters, pers- uh, missing persons posters. And they're literally everywhere and in the school campus, um, which coincidentally, Chloe got kicked out of. So she's not even a student, but she is regularly on campus posting these posters. But that's another story. So, yeah, you're basically are helping your goal is to help Chloe figure out what happened to Rachel, which is uh, essentially Twin Peaks, you know, trying to figure out what happened 
uh, to a girl that was murdered. Like, you don't know what happened to Rachel. She's missing as far as you know. And then you're also trying to uh, resolve uh, this this tornado situation. So those are the two uh, different issues that you have going on. And so, Kate. Did we cover? Did we cover everything in episode one? I think we kind of got everything now at this point, but yeah. Dang, dude, I completely forgot about that. All right. Uh, What's up? Oh, no, I was about to say, it didn't really occur to me until like at the end, and I was thinking about, I was like, hold up, we didn't even say anything about this. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, but yeah, like they, they really hype up the fact that Rachel Amber was super cool. Like everybody has a Rachel Amber story. So like, she's a super popular girl. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, going into episode two, episode two called out of time. And uh, I think they even like in the very, very um, beginning, you start in the girl's dorm and uh, it's like super early in the morning. And uh, I think you're just, Kind of like this is a, an opportunity for you to get more background story from the uh, the girls. Like you know, like if you dealt with that situation with the sexting, this is a, your opportunity to follow up with the girl or whatever. And um, I don't know, you can kind of get her to start being your friend or not. And uh, uh, <clears throat> you basically used with Kate Marsh at this point. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because at this point you find out that there's something going on with Kate, right? Yeah, you, you're about to go take a shower, and you head into the um, girls' shower room, I guess, or the you know floor shower, whatever. And then that's when you see Victoria, and she's like, I'm a bit about to get that Kate Marsh, this depressed person. So let me put up this website so everybody can see her video, her hot take where she... Um, Gets wild on cam. Yeah, yeah. Basically, there the 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 context of this video is that Kate was invited to the popular kids, the Vortex Club, is what they call it, and they had some type of party with drinking and stuff. And Kate, this super religious, super quiet girl, was caught on camera kissing all these boys, and uh, it's been spreading around the school and. Victoria and her and her friends are tormenting Kate by linking and just posting up the URL to this video all over the place. And it's basically that that is what Kate is so depressed about is basically she's seeing this reputation that she's had just being torn into shambles of people have this incorrect perception about her because of this video of her kissing all these boys. And, um, yeah, you can uh, uh, at this point, there's a couple of different uh, situations where you can kind of help Kate out. So like somebody writes on her dry race board, some other slut shaming stuff. And then they uh, Victoria writes the URL and lipstick on the bat- girl's bathroom mirror. And you can opt to like wipe it out or whatever. So like me, I'm like, erase this, erase this. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm like going around and making sure that nobody has like, I don't know, like I'm, I'm, I'm just being super delicate with Kate because uh, she's in a bad spot right now. And I don't want anybody to uh, push her over the edge or anything like that. You didn't want to um, personally visit katesvid.com? 
Yeah. Oh, you can. <laughs> no, I was being facetious. It was oh, I didn't know if it was like a real URL. Like I thought maybe you were sending as a real URL or something, which that would be kind of cool. But um, might be. Uh, yeah. So basically, um, you're you're doing that, dealing with drama, and uh, I think the context in the morning is you wake up and you're supposed to meet Chloe at the diner that her mom has worked at. Her and you know, like since you're a child, the two whales. It's some diner, and uh, you. Uh, oh, the video is real. Sorry, the the URL is real. Tight. um but uh yeah so you're you're basically you know just bsing around and then you're supposed to be in chloe at the diner so you get to uh just walk around campus and kind of see the early a.m pre-class stuff and then uh you hop on the bus and uh you um you uh head over to the actual arcadia bay town and you kind of get to see like outside of campus what what life is like or what the, you know, the community or the people are like. And then you, uh, I think you meet, uh, at this point, this is your, I don't know if you get to meet him earlier. You see his RV earlier in the first episode. You see this RV. Wait, with the dog. wait, 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 wait. We skipped something. What do we skip? I'm going to use my rewind. <laughs> I'm at the All first right. Decision. So, um, when you meet Kate after the whole shower scene, she wants you to return a book to her. Ah, oh yeah. And at yeah. this point, you have a little bit of like a heart to heart with Kate. And she's like, um, you're going through this like details of the Vortex Club party with her, like, hey Kate, what do you remember about this party? This doesn't seem like you. And this is kind of when the game gets really dark for the first time, in my opinion. Yeah. And you I realize, don't know. When you pull out a gun at school, that's pretty dark. I mean, that's Shots like fired. comic book Shots dark. Fired. This is like real stuff dark. Like this is like, hey, these teenage girls are getting drugged at parties and then getting put in like a white room by Nathan Prescott. And I don't remember what happened to me. And that's when the first choice of this chapter, first major choice of this chapter comes up where a case like, oh, my God, do I go to the police or do I just do nothing about this situation against the Prescotts? Which no, is a really, no. really catch-22 situation. They, they, the way she pins it is like, I think the way it's pinned is like, do I go to the police or do I do, or wait? And then wait you for kind proof. of, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, like you, you kind of basically say, because I ended up waiting for proof. Because I'm like, no, we're going to get the evidence and we're going to put this man down. Because like, if you had snitched on dude earlier, you you saw that, hey, like, hey, uh, this guy has money and nothing, like, I say is going to bring him down a peg. So I need to make sure I come with the facts, the details, the timestamps, all this stuff. So we're going to take this man down versus if you just go to the police, it could very much be like that situation with the principal where they don't believe you or it just gets explained away with money. What's well, really Wait, interesting? I gotta right do a here. super super rewind now. So when you go to your dorm after snitching on Prescott, this actually happens a little bit in episode one. He kind of vandalizes your space. Oh yep. yeah. He um yeah. writes on your wall like, "Don't no, mess with that's, me." No, that's Victoria. That was, yeah, I thought that was Victoria. Yeah, it because was, right, after totally you take Prescott. this picture. Oh, that was. Oh, you know what? 
That's 100% if, Prescott. No, 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 no. Check this out. If you take the picture of Victoria, it's Victoria. If you yeah, don't take the I, picture of Victoria, then it's Nathan. Mine is blown right now. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, dude, that was totally Victoria that did that. Yeah, so I, I oh, you didn't have a picture of your like head on a platter. I snitched. I don't remember what the picture I had of, but no, I snitched on, I snitched on Nathan like you, but I also made fun of Victoria. And because I made fun of Victoria, I think that, like, she's the one that vandalizes your room. But if you snitched on Nathan and didn't, uh, if you showed pity on Victoria, then it's Nathan that vandalizes your room. You know what I'm saying? So either way, your room gets vandalized. Well, I don't know what happens if you don't snitch and you don't make fun of Victoria. Because F those people. Who cares? Their playthroughs are whack. (laughs) Going Paragon. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, your your room get got vandalized by Nathan. I didn't even know that, but okay. I, my room got vandalized by Victoria. Screw that chick. I found I found it online. Um, if you piss off both of them, um, Nathan writes on your wall and leaves photos, and Victoria trashes your room. And yeah, so basically wow. both of them got in my room, but my character only blamed it on Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been somebody. So yeah, that super affected my um on my initial playthrough it affected my decision with Kate Marsh on whether she should um go to the police cuz she says, "Oh, you're going to back me up, right?" Oh yeah, I felt some kind of way when she tried to throw me in. And I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. I I've just messed with the Prescotts. You got to slow down." <laughs> yeah, it's some really super nefarious stuff, but I I was just kind of like, "Yo, like I've seen just in my one interaction with the principal with a person of authority in regards to a Prescott. There's no way that they're going to believe two girls that are, you know, shy and quiet that are, you know, they're not going to believe us. That guy's family has too much money. So let's get some evidence. She kind of felt some type of way about it, but I think that might've been the only, I guess I didn't think about it at the time. Like she took it negatively, but I just kind of took it as she's being emo, but I didn't realize that, you know, like, that was a negative decision. What's interesting about this is like the decision you make with the principal doesn't affect the gameplay. It doesn't affect the game story, but affects it affects the way you choose your next decision when you're talking to Kate. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. So uh, shoot, man, we're, we're going to be rewinding a lot. You know? <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, was I the only one that said go to the police? No, I told her to go to the police too. Oh, oh really? Yeah. yeah. Y'all saw I also did. Man, I'm turning everybody in. Oh, damn. <laughs> so I'm the only one that's away from more proof. I, I figured it was going to make her feel a little bit better, and I didn't know like how on the edge she was. So I was like, okay, well, I don't really want to see her kind of you know do anything rash. So I was like, just, I'll just say this to make her feel better. Yes, it should be like, it can't be overstated enough that Kate is super suicidal looking at this point. Yeah, like she just is hella depressed. Like the, your character makes a note when you walk into her room. It's like she has the curtains drawn. She's never like this. And like her artwork is normally cheery and happy and very kid friendly. And these are some depressing drawings that she has, you know, right now. And she's being like her family seeing this video and they're like basically disowning her or telling her to like, you know, repent and all these things. So like, there's a lot of backstory, like stuff that's going on to like show you that this character is in a very bad spot right now. 
So she needs any, like, as far as we know, you're her only friend. Uh, so our only person there for her right now. Um, but yeah, we're going to fast forward now. Is everybody cool? We're, we're all good? We're good. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and uh, um, so you get to the two whales. You take the bus over there. You get to the two whales diner. And you see this dingy RV out in front of the in the parking lot. And this is my second time seeing this uh, um, uh, RV. Sorry about that. Um, this is my second time seeing this RV. And uh, I try to see what's going on. You see this guy sitting in this lawn chair. And he's some grimy looking dude. And he has a dog. And the dog is just barking at you. So you can't really interact. And I'm like, all right, this is kind of weird. Like, he's probably is his his vehicles popped up twice he's probably like important or you know like a interesting character and uh and then you can interact with uh you go in the diner and you can kind of interact with uh some of the uh patrons there so you get to talk to a police officer some truckers uh you're still waiting for chloe like some of the school kids from school are there and um then you uh, sit down and you get to, you finally get to meet uh, Chloe's mom, Mrs. Uh, shoot, what's their last name? That's a good question. Dang, what is their last name? Her her mom's name is. Price. Um, well, I think Chloe's mom has a different last name, right? No, I mean she has to be either Price or Madsen. I'm pretty sure she still goes by. It's Joyce. Okay, yeah, it's Joyce. Joyce Price. It's this is her mom. Uh, she's been a diner. Uh, waitress basically her whole life uh uh all of um max's life so she's like a long time no see baby and you know just doing the whole like diner uh smooth talk you know and also this is just another interesting like there's another trope of stuff set in pacific northwest there's always like a diner involved or you know something like that um i love it but um house though yeah, Waffle House, though. <laughs> but yeah, so you, you, your next big decision is, do you want the world-famous omelet, bacon omelet, or do you want the Belgian waffle? Would you guys choose? Everybody made the right decisions at uh, omelet, right? I chose the waffle. I took that waffle. <laughs> you guys are crazy. I tore that waffle up. I tore that <laughs> waffle up. Dang, you should have rewound it and chose the right <laughs> option. Um, I think you're going to get the bad confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if you can rewind. I don't know. Can you rewind that food option? I didn't even see. No second guessing. Waffles all day. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, then Chloe shows up, and, you know, you kind of see Chloe interacting with her mom for the first time, and she's kind of like the rebellious teenager, and she's, like, back-talking her mom and just providing a lot of smack, and you're just kind of like the friend – it's kind of like when you see those memes where it's like the white kid talking back to his parents and like cussing them out. And then you just see like the kid like in shock that he's watching this happen in front of him. That's basically Max while she's watching Chloe just back talk her mom and all this stuff. And just it's like Joyce is like an angel in my eyes. And then Chloe's like, F you, mom, I hate you. And all these, you know, like not necessarily that, but it, it's just funny. Um, and then... uh what what happens? Oh, at this point, I think... Uh, wait, what? I was just going to say, it's just... It kind of gives you a better picture of who Chloe has become as a person, where she's like... Yeah. I forget what she says, but... 
her mom eventually just said, like no extra bacon for you or something. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. yeah, she said that, but um, yeah. Uh, they um, at this point, you know, Joyce leaves, and it's you and uh, Chloe talking, and then she kind of wants to see your powers in action. You, you know, you explained at the end of last episode what you can do. So then there's this another puzzle, and this puzzle is kind of really cool, and it kind of, I think, pushes even forward uh, what you can do in this game because it's kind of like, um, I think what you're tasked with doing is guessing what is in uh, Chloe's pockets. And so what you do is, I think the way it unfolds is you guess without knowing. Or no, 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 she pulls everything out of her pocket. And then you you inspect everything, and then you rewind it, and you basically tell her, okay, you have eighty six cents, you have uh, a parking ticket with this date on it, you have this many cigarettes, and you have this. And then so you tell her all these things. Then she pulls everything out of her pocket. She's like, whoa, this is freaky. Like, how did you know? And then uh, then you get. She's like, well, that's that's kind of impressive, but can you do this? What's going to happen next then? And then so, like, you kind of just look around for 30 seconds and kind of just look around the room, and then some things happen, and then you rewind it, and you say, okay, first this thing's going to happen, then this thing's going to happen, then this thing's happened, then this thing happens. And then, you know, and it happens exactly as you say it happens because you've already seen it. And I, I thought those two parts were, like, the final two parts that, like, kind of show you the full breadth of tools that you have with the uh, rewind power. Because not only can you inter- uh, change your interactions, but you can see different uh, items uh, and like you can influence how they interact with things. And then you can rewind to prevent events from happening or, you, you know, you can, oh, I can unlock this door, rewind it till it's being locked, but I'm still in this room or, you know, something like that. So like it, it, it finally shows you all the different things that you can do. And uh, I thought that part was really cool. It was really uh Super cool to me. Uh, did uh, I'm sorry, Kevin, but did anybody notice? And I guess this is uh, something me yeah, I, I might have picked up on. I guess I don't remember it happens in the first episode, but when she starts doing the rewind mechanic, when you start rewinding, you see like these little uh, like kind of blood splotches or something that's red on the outside of the screen as you're doing it. And I'm thinking to myself, well, does this mean like? Like, is this, like, causing her some type of pain, or is there going to be, like, some... This is where I started thinking there's going to be, like, some type of, uh, like, repercussions for her using this. Well, this is the first time, at least, that I remember where she actually has kind of, like, the nosebleed slash aneurysm for overusing her power. Okay. Yeah, I think this was the first time. I actually don't know if it actually, the, the blood showed up earlier before this but i think from this point moving on it does and speaking of blood just another small reference when you go in the bathroom it says fire come walk with me another twin peaks reference a um um, yeah uh um yeah you start getting that you know oh like i need to use my powers responsibly because if I don't, then blood, you know, comes out my nose or whatever. And uh, But Chloe's not having that. But Chloe is awful. I have that written down in my notes. Chloe is awful and annoying. And she's like, hey, let's go to the junkyard. I want to, you know, show you my, my other secret place. And um, 
she's like, okay, you know, we're going to shoot this gun that I stole from my stepdad. And, and you're like, that's not cool, but you play tag along with her. And, um, you and can before th- you leave, you run into the second big decision. Yeah. Um, Damn, man. I don't remember. Okay. What's the, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So essentially Kate starts calling you right as you're leaving the diner. And no. you want to answer it, but Chloe's like, no, nah, man. Well, if you didn't answer my calls for five years, you never pay attention to me. And it's like, yo, I have this friend that's in a really, really bad spot. Let me give them like two minutes of my time. But she just does not want to hear it. The reason why I forgot about it, because it wasn't even a decision. I picked up that phone. I didn't even, yeah, I didn't I didn't even look. I did not even look at what Chloe was saying. What my, I had my subtitles on. I didn't even read it. I was like, oh, Kate's calling? Hold up. And then I just picked up the phone. Yeah, yeah this that was just one, choice. Like one of the most simple answers. It was just, it was almost like they put that in intentionally to make you dislike Chloe. Yeah. This was one choice where I actually hit the rewind button. Like, I skipped the phone call at first, but then, you know, Chloe had her inner inner thought monologue thing going on and and I felt guilty so I rewound and ended up answering the call. Yeah. Good so, on you. Yeah, I think so we all answered the call. Yeah. That's why y'all all some real ones. Y'all some real ones. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, so you, you go from uh from the diner to the junkyard and uh basically you get to the junkyard and uh, I think Chloe's like, crap, I only have one bottle. See if you can find five bo- five more bottles or whatever. So you're, you know, like walking around and trying to <laughs> find some other bottles. And you, you, you end up like, you can stumble around and you, you find out, oh, she has this secret hideout, you know, hangout spot. And then there's like pictures of her with Rachel and Rachel and Chloe, uh, Chloe forever and just a bunch of different things to kind of give you some, some backstory on their relationship together. And, um, uh, then, uh, you end up finding the bottles and you return them back to, to Chloe. And then, uh, she's like, all right, well now you're going to help me shoot. And then you have this puzzle or the sequence where it's basically like Chloe shoots a shot and you have to tell her, Oh, you missed, you know, uh, you see where she shoots, then you rewind to before she shoots and tell her, oh, aim to the left or aim to the right or aim up or whatever. And then you get to some, like, she wants to start doing trick shots, like after you knock out the first couple of bottles. And then it's like, okay, if you shoot this car, where will it ricochet off and then hit this bottle? And <laughs> did anybody accidentally get Chloe shot? Oh, yeah. I did, and I was like, all right, that's cool. Let's keep it rocking. I, I was like, I know that was an <laughs> I was like, I didn't even know this was something that was even going to happen. I was like, this is just kind of random. Would you have to shoot in order for that to happen? Mind. If you, you shoot, shoot the, the bumper, uh, the bumper yeah. of the car. Oh, I didn't even try that. Yeah, I shot the bumper of the car. She gets hit in the gut, and she's like, I got shot! And then I was like, alright. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm just like trying to see, and the game just freezes, and you have to rewind it there. And I was like, oh, I want to play that out. <laughs> <laughs> um... So yeah, I mean, you 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 get a couple of trick shots, quote unquote trick shots done, and then uh, you take out the bottles, and then 
you're kind of just and you take out the car. In the yeah, you take out the car, and then uh, so you're you know you're. And one thing that we slightly skipped over, like it's not a huge thing, but I think it's worth mentioning is you find like a hideout where Rachel Amber and Chloe used to chill. Oh, at. I said that. Oh, I said that. Oh, you did. Damn. I, I see how it is. I see how it is. Um. Yeah, so there's like a train tracks right by this junkyard. So then you, after you do that sequence, you guys are just like walking along the train tracks and kind of reminiscing and just kind of catching up with each other. And then uh, uh, Chloe is like laying along the train tracks and you're just kind of like hovering over her, just like talking. And then the freaking train tracks, uh, which also like kids should never play by train tracks. That's uh, miss miss checkpoints. We can vouch that kids stay away from train tracks. Um, or at least I feel that way. But uh, she gets her leg caught in the train tracks because the train is coming. So now you're in this race to figure out, okay, how do I get these? They're like a puzzle to try to figure out how to undo time and try to loosen her foot from these train tracks. And she died a, a, a couple of times in my playthrough before I finally was able to get it right. Like, obviously, when she dies, the, like, the game, it not ends, but it's like, you better rewind it because you're not going to get to play this out. So, um... I just yeah. realized we skipped something else, too. What did we skip now? Uh, remember the sketch dude that shows up uh, when you're shooting the gun? Freaking right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. And you get so, another choice there, too. So, yeah. Alright. So... Rewind. Um, so you end up finding out that Chloe owes some. Her and Rachel made plans to skip town and move to LA. And that was right before Chloe or uh, before Amber, Rachel, uh, Amber disappeared. So um, Rachel was last seen, or she hung out with this guy named Frank. Turns out that Frank. Uh, it's a drug dealer, and Chloe owes Frank a lot of money, and Frank is the owner of that RV that you saw in the last two episodes. Uh, but uh, he shows up out of nowhere uh, after you shot the gun. Uh, he shows up, and he's like, yo, what's good? Where's my money? And um, you kind of have this interaction, and him, and him and Chloe are arguing, and you have the gun in your hand, and you have the option to shoot him or not shoot him. Uh, what did you guys do? And, and it's, it's not necessarily you have the gun in your hand. And uh, what did you guys do? I guess we can talk about the next part a little after we say what we did. But I, I opted to shoot him. I said, don't shoot. I also went, don't shoot. I tried to shoot him. Yeah, exactly. We tried to shoot him. So me and Trevor, the real ones, we were like, "Hey, I'm gonna end your debt right now, Chloe." And then <laughs> I pulled the trigger, and of course, there's no bullet in the gun. He hears the click, and he's like, "Oh, so this is how it is." And then he kind of just slinks away. And then uh, Chloe is like, "You're such a badass!" And I'm like, "This is not a Max that I know, or you know, whatever." And uh, I don't know, Max, even the character, she kind of like makes a weird monologue, like, I feel weird about this, or should, maybe I shouldn't have done that, or whatever, but what what happens if you don't attempt to shoot him? Because it's really, it's not shoot Frank, it's attempt to shoot Frank, or don't attempt to shoot Frank. 
pretty much Frank just calls your bluff and slowly walks up to you, takes a gun for himself and says, never do that again. And then Chloe's like, man, Max, you were going to let me just get um, stabbed or whatever. So basically, you guys can live with yourself after seeing this girl get beat up by her stepdad. And then this, she just said, hey, I can get stabbed. And you guys were okay with that? Okay. I mean, the more I make Chloe mad at me, the more I feel like I'm winning. Okay, I see that. Well, hey, well, you got some other options, that, some some future choices you can make. Because I made them. Uh, all right, so, okay. You, you know, end up resolving the railroad situation, and then you, she takes you to class. And uh, basically, uh, what happens in class? You're in photography class, and I'm, at least in my game, I'm, I'm guessing all of our games, we see that Kate is not in class. And, like, people kind of make mention of that. Where's Kate? Where's Kate? And then, um, uh, well, before, slightly before that, she's talking to um, Mark Jefferson. And you notice that she's running off because yeah, yeah, yeah. So Mark, the the professor, the the hotshot photographer, professor, teacher, whatever. He's talking to uh, Kate before class, and I think she's kind of explaining why she's been kind of in a mood lately. And the dude isn't really trying to hear, and he's actually he's he's seen as like a he's shown as like a smart young. Uh, hip, cool teacher, but he's being very, like, I, I rewound it all the way to the beginning just to see their entire interaction, and he doesn't really say, like, a whole lot. A lot of it's repeated dialogue, but he, he's being very, very insensitive to her situation, like, uh, very insensitive, and uh, she kind of, like, leaves in a hissy fit, or leaves, like, rightfully so, actually. She's, like, very hurt. She kind of, like, stomps away crying, and uh, then you're you can kind of confront him about that. And as you're talking to him, he gets a phone call that he has to take. So then you don't even get to like stand or step up for Kate. And then class starts, and he ends his phone call, and you go into class. And then class is literally just starting. And then um, some kid comes running from the hallway. He runs to the classroom, and says, "Hey guys, come check out what's going on at the, the dorms, the girls' dorms. Some some kids on the roof." And then, uh, like, the teacher's like, everybody just stay seated. And then, obviously, everybody runs out the classroom. And uh, you run to the girls' dorm, and you see Kate Marsh standing on the roof of the uh, dorm, and she's threatening to jump. And everybody's just, like, watching in horror. And then uh, she jumps. And then you're, like, trying to rewind, which... uh, your character's moving in like a slow motion. And I think this is like one, I think this is the first sequence where it's like, Oh, I want to use my powers, but my powers aren't working the way that I know how they work. So I think what happened is it's like, everybody is frozen. I think is how they pin it. Everybody is frozen. And, uh, you're walking in slow motion with your hand up. Uh, and you end up getting onto the rooftop, and you basically have to talk Kate down from the ledge. And uh, how were you guys? It, 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 was everybody successful? Did anybody have a bad time? Or yeah, she uh, she jumped off on you know, my playthrough. Anybody that happened on my first playthrough, but I managed to save her this time. About you, Trevor? Yeah, the the first time I played the game, of course she jumped, 
But this time I actually looked up a guide and figured out, you know, exactly what um, sentences or what options I have to choose in order to save her. And it's it's kind of difficult. Dude, that this part is my this was my favorite part in the game. Like uh, was until at this point, it was my favorite part because so I didn't have a guide. This is my first playthrough. I had, you know. For the most part, I chose to be nice to Kate the entire game because I'd heard I, I like spoilers. Like I heard about a character in this situation like a year ago when people were talking about this game, and uh, I kind of put one and one together when the game first started. I was like, "Oh, this girl's depressed. She's probably the girl that people were talking about, like with the rooftop or whatever." So you know, like. I made the conscious decision to be nice to her. And I guess really my only negative thing that I ever did with her was when I opted to like say, let's collect evidence. Um, but beyond that, like uh, for the most part, I had been everything for positively for her. And even like the, the interaction that you have with her. So you go in her bedroom and you're looking at, like I stooped and looked at everything in her bedroom and I saw photos. I saw letters that she got from her family members so, like, at this part, you're, like, everybody, people care about you. And then, like, you literally have a line where it's, like, you get to choose one of four options. And it's, like, your sisters, your mother, your brothers, your, your father. And then, like, if you had looked at everything in a room, you knew the correct answer because, like, she doesn't have a brother. And her mother, you know, end up saying, like, they're kind of, like, not cool with the decision she made. And her sisters didn't say anything and her dad wrote a postcard to her saying like, Hey, I support you. And like, no matter what, blah, blah, blah. So like there was only one correct option in that. And if you had played through and like paid attention, like you got rewarded for doing this thing, you know? And then there was another couple of options too, where you got to choose based off the interaction you had with her when she was recounting her experience with Nathan and at the Vortex club, you got to choose the correct response. So it was kind of like, yo, if you paid attention and everything, you could get through this. But it was like Trevor said, it was like a difficult thing. Cause I was sitting there and I was like, Oh shoot. I know if I pick the wrong option that she, she's not, she's going to just shut, you know, shut me out and she's just going to do it. So I need to, it, it actually felt really tense because I knew regardless of what happened, I could not rewind. And I, I, I loved this part of this game, or, you know, of that sequence. Yeah, they did a really good build-up to it where, like, some of your choices, like, some of the dialogue was automated. So it's like, if you intervene between her and um, Madsen, that was, like, a plus on your side versus, um, like, the Bible verse that she liked where you actually had to remember the specific Matthew, like, not the specific text of it, but just know she liked the the Matthew verse versus the like testament or whatever it was. That's where I think I ended up going wrong. I think I didn't remember what it was and I, I chose the wrong option because up to that point, I thought I was doing good. I was like, okay, I think she's actually going to, you know, step off here. And then I think when that part came up, I was like, I think I had said something about, um, Oh, you'll go to hell if you end up committing suicide. And then she goes on a thing of like, Oh, I'm already in hell and blah, blah, blah. Damn, like, bro, oh, that's harsh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember doing a Bible verse uh, from like I remember looking at her Bible and seeing the notes that she made, but I don't. So remember that's a backup question. Um, if you if you miss a certain amount, they give you one last chance to redeem yourself, essentially. 
I think you oh. only get one one chance. Like if you mess oh. up once, she'll take a step back, and then at the very end, um, it'll give you another option. And I want to say whether or not you get that one right, if you messed up too many times, she'll still jump. Or at least oh, in the well. in the guy, that's the way I read it. Well, I I didn't I guess I didn't I didn't have to deal with the Bible verse because I did not know that, but I, I chose correctly everything else. Uh, so she lived on my playthrough. So I guess the only person that has a negative not negative, but she's dead is in your gameplay, Greg. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, well, uh, shoot, this next interaction will be interesting. So uh, after that, Wait, scene, can, I, can I talk about the um, the classroom scene like before, like the lead up? To the rooftop so you, scene. you go ahead and rewind. I'm gonna rewind a little bit. All right. <laughs> so I don't know if y'all notice when you're in the classroom, like everybody's. Some people are looking out the windows, and it's really rainy outside. It's really dark. Like this mood is, I want to say perfect because it's supposed to be like a sort of a gloomy mood, but I guess it's like perfect for this situation because it kind of sets it up. And without even realizing it, like, first time I played this game, I didn't know about the whole suicide thing that was going to come up. So once I got to this point, I was just like, man, something's about to go down. Did anybody find it weird that uh, David was taking pictures as she uh, as she was running, or am I misremembering that? Actually, I think you were right. I think you're right. He was taking pictures. But he's a creepy dude, and, like, I, I didn't... I, I don't remember him taking pictures, but I definitely later on you see some of the pictures he's taken of her, and I I think they're from that same scene, so that makes sense. Um, all right, well, are, are we good with the everything up to the decision? Any more good to me? No more backtracking. All right, cool. So then you immediately after that situation uh, resolves itself, you are in the principal's office. And um, I, I don't even know what the context of why he brings in these other individuals, but they're all in there. And it's uh, so that you're at the principal's office and it's you, Nathan Prescott, uh, David Madsen, the, the security guard, and Mark Jefferson, the uh, uh, for photography uh, teacher. And uh, honestly, um I'm interested. What does the principal say if she's dead? Like, because like you're pinned as a hero um, in our playthroughs. Like everybody's kind of like, yeah. Like, I mean, what you did is very heroic, Max, and blah blah this, and blah blah that. Uh, what What does he say when she dies? And uh, did they blame it on you? No. Well, he's basically blaming the uh, blaming David for not locking the. I think it, it probably happens in the other playthrough. I guess if she lives, but. Blames David for not locking the uh, the door up there, leading to the roof, and then um, uh, with uh, with Mark, I think he's like, "You should have known, you know, you're a teacher, so I mean, you should have had like some idea yeah, of yeah. something being wrong with her." Um, but yeah, like not like he t- he says anything bad about Max or uh, Nathan at that point. But oh, Nathan um, is in there because he was at the or it was. I guess his party that she was at. Yeah, that's why. Okay. And then, um, I, well, then I guess you're there because you are her friend, or you're the last person to talk to, her or something. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know. That's kind of weird. Because, I think it's because like, you try to stop her from jumping. 
Okay, that, that's kind of a little weird. Like, it, it makes a little bit more sense if it's if she doesn't jump because, like, you're the hero. It, but it also feels weird that these us are there because it's like, why are you in the room congratulating me? And then at the same time, you're, you know, not like saying shame on these other three gentlemen or whatever. But at that point, you know, like, so you're in the room, you're getting your praise or whatever. What she did is very heroic. And, you know, you're the example that we want to set up Black Widow Academy or whatever. And um, you can kind of, at this point, throw somebody under the bus and you can kind of say, well, it was um, so-and-so's prompting that, you know, why she did this or it's this person or this person. So who did you guys end up blaming or putting the blame on? And for the record, I went through everybody's blame. I, I blamed everybody because I wanted to see how it played out. But in my head, like, there was no way I was not going to blame Nathan. That was my guy. Like, no way I was not going to blame him. So I blamed David at first, and then I kind of went through it, and I was like, well, it's not really his fault. And, you know, I I started kind of, because you, you do have another interaction with him um, prior to this situation. And, like, I kind of started, to, I felt like he wasn't being as big of a, a douche, maybe. And I was like, I can kind of see where he's coming from a little bit. And so after I had said that before I signed the statement, I was like, you know what? I'm going to throw Nathan under the bus because he seemed like, you know, he was too nonchalant about everything. So I'm like, let me go ahead and try and get this dude together. Did you guys, did you and uh, Dante and Trevor, did you guys do the same? No. <laughs> Who'd you buy? What? I actually picked David because the whole first two episodes, I've been building up evidence, put him away. And I finally had my chance. So I wasn't about to pass it up. And I knew, like, I started thinking, I was just like, you know what? We were just at Chloe's house, and they had, like, all those overdue bills there. And so I figured, you know, if he did lose his job, it would impact them. But still, at the same time, I felt like I didn't have enough evidence against um, Mr. Jefferson or against Nathan to, to do any good. So I figured I'd use what evidence I did have against David. Like, low-key, like, with Mr. Jefferson, the only, like, the, the reason he was in the room was because, oh, you're her teacher, and you're supposed to be invested in their lives and see what's going on, so if they're having some type of problem, you should know that. And then when you blame Mr. Jefferson, all they say is, like, oh, well, she was, I, I saw her talking to Mr. Jefferson, and then she ran off crying, and then she went, you know, to the room, or, you know, to, to the rooftop. And to me, that was like such a weak excuse because it was literally like anything to put her over the edge. So like, I don't feel like he was as influential in this dramatic decline that she had been seeing in her mood. So he Bro, seemed why like, are you questioning my choice? You chose Mr. Jefferson? <laughs> what? I chose him both times. Wow. <laughs> that dude, I, I, no. Like, you clearly see... After all the crap that Kate's gone through, all of a sudden she talks to this dude, and I don't know what exactly he said, but it led to her going up on that roof and potentially coming down from that roof one way or another. You should suicide yourself. (laughs) (laughs) No, dude, like, I I don't know. Like, to me, like... I was yes. just being an everyday hero, bro. Yeah, yes, he should have been like more like he was very insensitive when he was interacting with her, which you could which you could overhear. But like to me, like the whole like core of the issue that she's having started with that party. 
And like, so there was no, and also like, yo, screw Nathan Prescott. Like, yeah, for I, real. Like, there's, he has, in my opinion, there's no redeeming quality with that character. He's just a jerk. And, but it was, it was Nathan's party, but he wasn't the one who shared that video with everybody. But he, if you, if you d- dug in deeper, you found out that he was the one that was going to take her to the quote unquote hospital. And she ended up being in a white room with Nathan. And then she passed out and she remembered waking up at her dorm room feeling gross. So it leads me to believe that he did some things that he shouldn't be doing with her. Did they say it was Nathan though? I thought yes, she they said, said she just Nathan, heard her yes, voice. They specifically yeah, they said specifically Nathan. it was Nathan. Yeah. So like that dude did some skeevy, not cool things, at least in my eyes. And uh, so I was like, no matter what happens, like to me, like, yes, like he's the start of it. I think David tormenting her or, you know, whatever, doing the surveillance stuff, like didn't help. And then I think the Mr. Jefferson stuff, if at most it put her over the edge, but like to me, Nathan is the, he's the, the fire starter in this situation to me. So that's why I threw him under the bus. And like I said, screw that character because he pulled out a gun in, in school too. And I couldn't, I couldn't put the blame on him for that. He got away from on that. So there was no way I was not going to blame him for this. And of course he was able to like to explain it away or, you know, basically say like, what, like this girl has it out to get me or, you know, blah, blah, blah. But um, in my game, he's expelled or suspended. He's kicked out of school. So he's no longer in school in my game, and I guess Greg. So what happens with David if you blame David? He gets fired. Okay, and then what, what, what happens with Mr. Jefferson? He's no longer an everyday hero. But is he still a teacher? He's still a teacher. He just doesn't get to go to that contest. Wow. I hope you're proud of yourself, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am. <laughs> All right. So, um, uh, yeah, and so you leave the principal's office, and I think you meet up on campus with Warren, and you kind of guys, you, you guys make some, some plans to go to a diner, or not the diner, a, a, a this is the movie? You, you're going to see Planet of the Apes at the drive-in? The drive-in. Yeah, so, uh, and then I, I, I don't even remember, like, what happens, but, like, basically... Nothing of, uh, oh, at the very, very, very end, there is an eclipse, <laughs> right? There's, that's the, yeah. uh, the end of the day freak, uh, mother nature slash global warming slash climate change event of the day. So they have some unannounced eclipse and everybody's looking at it without sunglasses and everybody's blind. So I don't know, like, um, Weird aside, I kept tally because throughout, like, talking to all the characters, global warming is mentioned twice in the first episode, and then it's mentioned twice in the second episode. And it's just, like, a really random... Uh, this this game takes place in 2013, so even though it was made in 2015, it took place in 2013, but it's, like, kind of interesting. And then uh, I even got a tally for episode three. All right, uh, I think we're running long, so I think we're going to just stop the conversation here at episode two. And uh, I think what we're going to do is uh, we're going to pick back up. We're going to split this up into three episodes, or uh, three parts, this game. So we're going to do episode one and two in this one. Then we're going to do episode three and four in a part two. And then we're going to do episode five. And then a discussion about the prequel 
uh, in a third uh, part episode. So be on the lookout for those. Uh, we're going to, we want to kind of keep on schedule. So we're going to release these consecutive weeks uh, just to stay on course of what we initially planned. And uh, so be on the lookout uh, for when these drop. This first one drops, the next two should drop the following week. So be on the lookout. And uh, yeah, so I guess with we are finished. Uh, I guess do the plugs then, because uh, I don't. Did anybody get any questions? You know what? I didn't even check the email. I guess I should do that. Well, while you're doing that, uh, we can we can do the plugs. Uh, so we do have the Facebook page up and running. That is at. Let me make sure I get the URL URL right. But I'm pretty sure it is Facebook.com/slash Miss Checkpoints. Um, yes, it is. Okay, cool. So, um, you can check our Facebook page at Miss Checkpoints on Facebook. Um, we've posted our links to our first two episodes, as well as our, uh, do we have a link to our, 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 our iTunes feed yet? I can put it on the Facebook page. Yeah, so I'll be on the lookout for that as well. Um, you guys have any questions you can shoot us an email at misscheckpoints at gmail.com you can hit up our individual uh twitter and facebook pages or hit up the mix miss checkpoints facebook page um anything else guys oh yeah we are on itunes now i i subscribe or i uh uh, yeah, subscribe to our page, and I I saw both episodes, our first two episodes, the Beyond and Good and Evil discussions on there. So uh, you can find us on SoundCloud or iTunes. Just search Miss Checkpoints, and you should find us. Uh, do we have anything else? Am I missing anything, guys? This game is really good. You should play it if you have not. Uh, yes, as you can see, like we we did not expect. Uh, like I've been dying to talk about this game, but I did not think we would talk this much about this game so and i'm glad we have a good I, low key i think dante chose mr jefferson just because he wanted a, a vast he wanted like you know to see all the options because i don't dante i know i chose him years ago i don't know i just i like that we were like not all on the same page as far as because that that makes the discussions a lot more interesting so i think dante was just blindly flipping over the cards Right, I think he was just like you know what I'm just gonna I'm just gonna not look at the screen and hit a button, <laughs> do some cash and guns tactics. Yeah, so um, yeah, so uh, any any word on any emails, Greg? No, there wasn't any. All right, damn y'all y'all ain't real. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, just tell tell your friends, uh, tell your friends, friends, just let them let us uh, let them know about us. Uh, We'd love to have on all of the social medias. On all the social medias, yeah, we'd love to have some questions from you guys to answer, or even potentially like, you know, maybe have one of you guys as a guest or something. So, um, I guess with that, I'm Marcus with uh, Dante, Trevor, and Greg, and we're signing off. So, uh, peace. <laughs> <laughs>